Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have one of my favorite type of episodes. We have a community birth story. Truly one of my favorite things is hearing the experience of someone going over that threshold into parenthood. So Sophie Saltonstall is our guest today. And what is particularly special about Sophie is that I got to know her through two pregnancies. Her first as she crossed that threshold into parenthood and then coming back and seeing how she's a different person and how she's now navigating her second pregnancy. And we've had that honor for so many people, second, third, fourth, sometimes even fifth and sixth pregnancies and watching how that person continues to evolve. So it's really wonderful having Sophie back. Now, one thing also really special about Sophie that we talk about in the episode, people often say to me, how far can I practice prenatal yoga in my pregnancy? And I say, as long as you want. And something that happened during Sophie's first pregnancy, I got an email in the morning, right before I was about to teach one of my 10 a.m. classes. And she said, my water broke. Can I come to class? And I said, absolutely. And she did. And so it's something that I share all the time. So Sophie's often in my brain as I talk about prenatal yoga. Let me tell you a little bit about Sophie, then I'll tell you what we're going to talk about with her community birth story. So Sophie Saltonstall lives on an organic fruit farm in New Hampshire, where she grew up. Her role on the farm is to manage their barn venue, Airbnb, and to start the fruit popsicle side of their business. She has a master's in sustainability from Harvard University and is an Emmy-nominated filmmaker. Sophie likes dark chocolate and is a board game enthusiast, as am I, so yay. So let me tell you a little bit what we talked about. So Sophie shares her first and second birth experience. She had an unplanned cesarean for her first and then was hoping to have a vaginal birth for her second. And we talk a lot about how she made the decisions about VBAC and cesarean, but also a lot about how people view cesarean. Sometimes it's they're poo-pooed upon or it's almost like a runner-up, but 
or traumatized about the idea of a C-section. But what I really appreciate about Sophie's conversation is we removed that stigma and celebrated that a cesarean birth, or some people call them belly births, it's another option, another way that babies are born and families are made. And can we celebrate modern medicine instead of thinking it's there's a problem with it or your body failed you in some way? So I really appreciate Sophie's exploration of that idea. And I hope that you appreciate it too. All right, before we get to that conversation with Sophie, I just want to thank everyone. We've had kind of a bump in our ratings and reviews, and it really thrills me to hear that this podcast is serving you as a community. So thank you for leaving those rating and reviews. As you know, I do this podcast for you, for the listeners to support your path into and through parenthood. Now with that, if you haven't left a rating and review yet, I would ask that you take a moment to share that. It helps people find us. I'm also always interested to hear if there's a topic that I haven't covered, or maybe there's a person that you think I should interview. Send them my way. We have an application for the podcast. I look at it when they come in. I really try to find wonderful fits for us, as well as if there is a topic I haven't covered, send that my way. You can send it to deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. And then the last thing I just want to share is that even though we have really rebuilt our in-person in studio classes, which is super exciting. We are really committed to continuing our online classes. So no matter where you're listening to this from, we have classes online seven days a week and we have re-released classes. So you can take class with us to fit your schedule wherever you are. And it is truly my honor that I can continue to practice with you beyond the walls of New York City. And then we also have our teacher training that is well beyond the walls of New York City because we were doing doing two a year in person, and then we're doing two a year online. The one coming up, probably be in full swing by the time this episode comes out, we have two people from Cape Town joining us in South Africa. We have someone from Dubai, someone just joined from France. We have someone joining us from Mexico, just in this one training. So it's exciting to see that our methodology will spread to communities beyond the States. And again, we're here to support the community. So that's exciting. Exciting. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, please enjoy my conversation with Sophie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Sophie. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. I'm so excited to reconnect. This is really going to be fun. And your stories are crazy. I'm so excited to hear about everything. (laughs) So I've gotten to know you because you've been with PYC for both your births. In fact, I, I bring you up a lot in class. People are like, how late can I come to class? I'm like, well, we actually had someone with their water break. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so you are, you're, you're, you'll live on forever. You're infamous <laughs> at our studio. But so I've gotten to know you a little bit, but can you share a little bit about yourself? And then one thing I loved in your intake, you shared that you're a, a board game enthusiast as I am myself. So I also want to know 
what your favorite board game is. Sure. Um, so I'm 34 years old um, and I live on, our, on an organic berry farm in New Hampshire. And I grew up here too. And I have a lot of tattoos and I'm very tall. I'm five feet 11. Oh, um, wow. I didn't realize yeah. that. Wow. Yeah. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, my favorite board game is Settlers of Catan. <gasps> I love that one. Oh my gosh. We play that with friends all the time. Although recently we've been doing Ticket to Ride. Have you started that one? No, but I've been meaning to. So good to know. There's two versions that we use. We use the European version and the American. I actually like the European better. So if you like a ton, you're going to like, you're going to like Ticket to Ride. Okay. I love it. I'll get it. (laughs) So, yeah, wow, I didn't realize you were that tall. I did know about your tattoos. So you've, as I mentioned, you've been with us for both your pregnancies, and I know how your first birth unfolded, but will you share a little bit about your first birth? Because I think that helps us understand again how we unpack all of what we're going to talk about with VBACs and cesareans and unplanned cesareans. Totally. Um, yeah, so I had a pretty normal pregnancy. I had some aches and pains, but I was low risk. There was nothing exceptional about my first pregnancy. Um, I'm an athlete. I've played soccer my whole life and I had two ACL reconstructions on both my knees. So, um, I also was a yogi and I meditated a lot. So I was like, you know, birth, I got this. This is going to be a fun challenge. Like no biggie. (laughs) I got this in the bag. Um, so fast forward to 40 weeks at my due date and it came and went and every day past my due date felt like a personal middle finger from God himself. I was just (laughs) like, come on, I'm still pregnant. This is brutal. (laughs) Um, and then five days later, my water broke in the early morning And I was waiting for contractions to start and I was just like, you know, kind of waiting around and I had already signed up for your class. So I was like, you know what? What? Why not? I'm just going to go to Deb's class. (laughs) (laughs) So there I was doing yoga with my water, you know, leaking every once in a while. Um, So that was hilarious. And then in the afternoon, my contractions got more um, serious. So we went to the hospital and I didn't want to know how dilated I was at first because um, I just, you know, didn't want that pressure. So they told my doula how dilated I was. They did a check. Um, and then fast forward 12 hours later, I'm still in labor. It's really intense. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty tired now. How dilated am I now? Like, I, I do want to know because... I must be close. You know, it's been 12 hours and I'm having that crisis of confidence that everyone says comes right before you have the baby. So I was like, all right, I'm probably like eight or nine centimeters. I got this. And they were like, you're two, maybe three centimeters dilated. So I was like, all right, well, let's do an epidural then because I'm pretty tired and um, I know it can change quickly, but I just kind of had a gut feeling that it was going to take a while. And um, so then 18 hours later, um, we had tried all the things. They put me on Pitocin, put it up to, you know, the maximum amount. Um, we changed position a lot. We did peanut balls. I was on my knees leaning against the bed. Um, they shook my belly a little bit to try and like jiggle her around And after 18 hours um, post-epidural, I was still only six centimeters dilated. 
So the doctors were like, you know, it's getting kind of close to 48 hours since your water broke. Your daughter's heartbeat is fine. So, um, you know, how do you feel about a C-section? And I was just exhausted and ready to meet my baby and kind of worried about her health if we kept trying to get her out vaginally. And it seemed like it just wasn't kind of going anywhere. Um, so they wheeled me into the OR and pretty soon thereafter, I met my daughter and my husband and I just sobbed with joy and relief as we heard her cry. She was perfectly healthy and huge. Um, she was nine pounds, 14 ounces. And the doctors were like, wow, you hid her really well. They had no idea she was going to be so big. Um, and the, uh, the doctor who was doing the operation said, um, I had a really prominent sacrum. So that's probably why mm. she couldn't descend. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like a little, uh, blockage for her to get into the inlet. Yeah. So I know you had hoped and worked really hard for a vaginal birth. And how did you feel about having an unplanned cesarean when you were hoping for a vaginal birth? Uh, yeah, it was, it, I was disappointed for sure. You know, I had dreamed of this birth and prepared for what I had hoped for. Um, I was going to try and have as natural of a birth with as little and few, few interventions as possible. Um, so I was disappointed, but I think more than that, I just felt very lucky for modern medicine. Mm. You know, like I, I was relatively comfortable. Um, and, even though having a C-section was difficult, you know, I still had a healthy baby and mm -hmm. I was healthy. So um, since I had really prepared for the possibility of having a C-section, I really did feel empowered and um, comfortable to be part of that decision. And my C-section wasn't an emergency. So I feel, you know, that was lucky to not have it be kind of stressful and scary. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think, I think I feel... I, I felt disappointed, but I also felt just grateful and lucky to to have my baby at all. Well, I think also what you were saying is that you did prepare for the possibility, which is something that, you know, we talk about in class that there's all sorts of possibilities that can unfold, you know, birth plan A, B, C, D. And when we turn our head away from the possibility, that's when I think, should it happen, it's scarier because it's just so unknown. And I think that uh, can be very overwhelming. Yeah, I did. Um, when I was in my second trimester with my first, I remember talking to my husband and crying because I was reading, you know, NMA and all of these books and about natural childbirth and all of them talk about how traumatic C-sections are and how women need to get over all of the, all of this trauma from having C-sections. So I was crying with him and I was like, I really don't want a C-section. Like that sounds so scary. Um, all these women have trauma around it. And he was like, you know, there's another side to C-sections. And I think like, let me send you some links to articles and stories that are more positive about C-sections. And so he did. And that really helped me to kind of rethink what it would be to have a C-section. I did a little more research about what actually went into it. Um, so when the time came, I, I wasn't as scared about getting one, which was so helpful. And mm -hmm. I think really helped me not feel like it was traumatic and I didn't feel as disappointed as maybe I would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Did you have a conversation with your care provider during pregnancy saying, so if we do have this, you know, what is it going to look like? Or can it be more, if, if, since it was not an emergency, could it be more family centered, you know, 
lower the screen or was there any conversation beforehand? I don't think so. No, I think everybody was kind of assuming, um, yeah, that it would just be a vaginal birth because I was low risk and healthy and active and, um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think we did. Well, it's okay. So listeners out there, (laughs) just a suggestion that (laughs) you do have that conversation because we do know that a third of babies born are surgical births or belly births. And you listener may not expect it as though we did not, but if it turns into reality and it's not an emergency, it could be nice to, like you were saying, Sophie, take the trauma out of it. We actually talk more about that. I know that's something you want to talk about the way that the birthing world and media portrays C-sections and doesn't necessarily need to be so scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, as I said, you know, I, there's just so much media around birth and a lot of, um, like Instagram profiles in the birthing world just really center natural birth. And the messages I would get a lot is like, your body is made to do this. And, um, you know, you've got this mama, like you can do it. And I guess I felt like if you want it enough, you know, if you're strong enough and this is the natural way to do it, then you should be able to have a vaginal birth. Um, and if you don't, then it's not really like said outright that you're bad or that you're a bad mother or a bad parent or that you're doing it wrong, but that's kind of the implication of it, right? Like, okay, if my body's meant to do this and I couldn't do that, what does that say about my body? You know, what does that say about how much I wanted it or what I was physically or emotionally, mentally able to do? Um, and so I think that, yeah, that for those of us who have C-sections, especially if they're not planned, um, it just feels like a disappointment. You know, it feels like, oh, maybe I did it wrong or maybe I just didn't want it enough. And I think that's really problematic. Um, you know, I think there, as you said, one third of births are belly from your belly. They're surgical births. And, um, so I think we need to reframe that a little bit to be more inclusive of surgical births. Um, and I understand, you know, the history of cesareans in our country and why there's been this movement to kind of reclaim birth and, um, you know, not have you know, like the white man come in and say, okay, it's time for a C-section because I got to get home. Like, you know, that would be really awful. But I think, you know, for the most part, many hospitals have evolved away from that. Um, and so I think the birthing world can maybe catch up to the current moment where C-sections can actually be empowering or at least can not be traumatic. You know, they can be wonderful and beautiful as well. So. I, I agree. And actually, I'm glad that you want to talk about this because in the 20 year span that I've had PYC, I would say there was a time, I think it was around when Business of Born came out where it was a big kind of uprising in home births. And I definitely fell into that. And I had a student who had, this is a while ago, two births with us. And her first one was a cesarean. And then her second one was a chosen cesarean for her, you know, um, not going for a V back. And she actually commented, she's like, I really noticed a change in how we have been talking about cesareans. And I've totally was guilty of that for a, a, a long time ago. And we did make this conscious shift of when we talk about births that, you know, we call them surgical births or belly births that 
reminding everyone there's no right way to birth and that mm-hmm. your body didn't do anything wrong. And sometimes, sometimes baby also knows how they need to come out. And sometimes <laughs> it's not through the vagina. Yeah. I, yeah. That's interesting. You say that I, for my second birth, I was like, well, he's going to choose if he wants to go take the stairs or the fire exit. <laughs> <laughs> <I like that. laughs> so yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. So while you were pregnant with your second baby, how did you mentally prepare for your second birth knowing it could be a VBAC, but it also could be another cesarean? Yeah. So when I got pregnant um, with my second and had kind of my first appointments with at my OB, they said I was a great candidate for a VBAC because they were looking at my notes and they only were really looking at the notes that I didn't fully dilate. Um, so they were like, yep, you're a great candidate. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like I got this. This is cool. I can try for that birth that I really wanted. So I was on team VBAC and researched VBACs a lot. And I was really hopeful that, you know, about 75% or so of attempted VBACs are successful. Um, and I did literally all of the things that one could do <laughs> to have a VBAC. I did prenatal yoga with you. I got prenatal massage. I um, saw a pregnancy chiropractor to move, to like move my sacrum around or to help the baby descend to make space as much as it possible. I walked daily. I went to a pelvic floor physical therapy. I did spinning babies. I ate healthy and I communicated with my doula a lot. So like, I don't know if you there's checked much every more. Box. <laughs> yeah, I pretty much checked every box. I was like, all right, if a VBAC is possible, I'm going to throw everything I have at it so that I know if I didn't have one or it wasn't successful, that it wasn't because I didn't check every box. So I did all the things and I scheduled, I was like, you know, I do want to schedule a C-section though for 41 weeks because I figured if baby hadn't come out by then, then he would probably just be a repeat of my first birth. Um, just knowing that I had a prominent sacrum and that I make made a big baby the first round. I was like, you know, if he if he hasn't come out by 41 weeks, it's probably unlikely that he would be able to come out naturally. And then at 37 weeks, I was like, okay, this baby's feeling pretty big. <laughs> Can I have a sizing ultrasound? Um, and so we got one, and he was measuring at nine pounds four ounces at 37 weeks. Ooh. And I was like, okay, I know that these aren't totally accurate. You know, off by a pound. So if he's even a pound smaller, he would still be massive by my due date. And if he was bigger than that, then he would be, you know, like a major monster. Um, and he felt bigger to me than my first baby. So I was like, all right, I'm going to move my C-section up to my due date um, because I just have this, you know, intuitive feeling that he's really big. And um, if if he's just going to be, if he's going to be really big and I have this prominent sacrum, like I don't want to go through another 36 hour labor just to have another C-section. I'd rather skip the 36 hour labor part. Uh (laughs) So yeah. So my plan was kind of, if I went into labor naturally before then I'd give a VBAC a shot, but I wanted to have kind of a low threshold to move toward a C-section. So my rules kind of, or my criteria were um, if my labor stalled again at like six centimeters or around there or 
anywhere. Um, or if I was laboring for eight hours and it didn't seem very productive, then that was kind of like my mental limit. You know, I wanted some, some sort of limit to be like, okay, if this is happening, this is kind of a reasonable cutoff. And then I can move toward a C-section if I am trying for a VBAC. Um, but I didn't want to try to induce the baby or use Pitocin. Um, because, my, I talked to my doula and she said, um, if we tried to induce when he wasn't ready, then it's likely labor would just be really long anyways, if my body wasn't ready. Um, so we decided just to kind of wait and see what happened and, um, not to try and induce at all. So let's take a break, but when we come back, will you share your story of your second birth? Sure. <laughs> okay. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. So let's hear how this one went. <laughs> yeah, so as my due date got closer, um, I kind of switched teams from hoping to have a VBAC to hoping I didn't go into labor before my scheduled C-section because I just had this intuitive feeling that it wouldn't be successful. I just felt like he's really big. And I don't think a vaginal birth would be successful. Um, I just really wanted a healthy baby and kept trying to focus on that. So that was kind of my mantra, just healthy baby, healthy mama, which is one that we talked about in class yeah. a, a number of times. And um, and also just this too will pass. So those were kind of my mantras and just focusing, yeah, as you said, on surrendering and on letting baby determine how he was going to enter this world. So then once you surrendered, did you then tell your team like, Hey, I actually don't want to have a VBAC. Let's go ahead and plan this. Um, yeah, well, I had the kind of stop, you know, I, I scheduled one for 41 weeks and then I scheduled it for 40 weeks. Okay. So yeah. So I knew that, that if he didn't come before then, then I would have a C-section. All right. So walk me through how that all went. How the C-section went? Well, how, yeah. So you had, was it, had that compare mentally and emotionally and I guess the whole experience when it was a lot more planned yeah. to your unplanned experience. It, you know, it was really nice to have an end date to count down to. Um, you know, the first one, it's like the baby could come literally anytime up until 42 weeks, which is kind of when, you know, the medical, professionals say that's probably a time we should induce or get things going. Um, so yeah, this time it felt a lot better. Um, as humans, we like to have certainty. So this was kind of comforting to know that, um, you know, this is okay. I just have to make it to this date. And mentally, I just kind of counted down to that day, um, and prepared for a C-section and tried not to get my hopes up too much for a VBAC. Um, so even if, you know, I didn't know if I was going to have a chance to try for a VBAC before then, but it was still comforting to kind of say like, okay, this is my game plan and we have these different scenarios planned, but this is, you know, the last day anyways. And then going into the operating room was a lot less intimidating. So, you know, I knew how to prepare for, um, post-op better. And I just felt like, okay, I got this. I kind of know what's going to come. How was postpartum uh, this time since it was more planned? 
Yeah. So postpartum was easier. Well, (laughs) with a huge asterisk. (laughs) So postpartum was easier until we got back from the hospital. Um, my mother-in-law flew in from Arizona to take care of our toddler. And, um, the day after we got back from the hospital, she tested positive for COVID. (laughs) And so then my daughter got it and then my husband got it. And then my son and I got it when he was only six days old. So that was not easier. Um, I would say in terms of the C-section that felt a lot better. Um, but then COVID was like a whole ball game. You know, it was, I was coughing with my incision, which hurt a lot. I was scared about my baby um, because he was so tiny, but thankfully, um, you know, we, we talked to doctors and they said, just look out for sluggishness or a fever for him. And thankfully he didn't have those and he was gaining weight. Well, Um, he did have really rapid breathing as a symptom of COVID, which was interesting. So we had to monitor that. Um, but luckily newborns seem to mostly be fine with COVID, which I didn't know before going through it, but yeah, so that was really scary. Um, but aside from COVID, I think healing was easier because I didn't, you know, essentially run a marathon uh, before having a major surgery (laughs) this time. I only had the major surgery. So in that sense, um, I, you know, I was, healing a lot faster and I wasn't as exhausted. I remember with my first, you know, it took me several days to kind of be aware enough to like look at my phone to respond to texts. And this time it was like a couple hours after my C-section, I was like, oh, I think I'll send some pictures to, you know, my friends and family. No, that's a perfect way of saying you literally did. You What was it? 48 hours and then a, of labor and then a cesarean. That is there's a lot of not just physical work, but it's emotionally exhausting and mentally yeah. exhausting. Wow. So you've now had two cesareans under your belt. So what are some pro tips you would like to offer the listeners? Yeah. Um, gosh, so many. So I guess the first thing I want to encourage folks to think about is really what my husband did for me in the second trimester, which is um, that they aren't as scary as they seem. So I would, you know, encourage you to educate yourself to watch videos about C-sections and learn how to prepare for them, whether you're planning to have one or not and find stories like mine of empowering C-sections. Um, you know, my second C-section, my planned C-section was, was awesome. My son's name is, um, Willie Nelson. So we were playing, we were like blasting Willie Nelson in the operating room and like jamming out. (laughs) So that was like really fun. So you can have, yeah, you can have, um, you can have fun with it. You know, it doesn't have to be super scary and traumatic. It's just, um, you know, a, a surgery really. And then you get to meet your baby, which is amazing. Um, the first week is really hard. So if you don't have a partner, um, you really want someone there to help you sit up for several days, at least, um, even a couple of days after you turn from the hospital, it's helpful to have somebody there to kind of help sit up and, you know, bring you meals and stuff. Um, that's really just the first week. And then, you know, by the second week I was starting to take walks and I would say by six weeks, I felt pretty good. I recovered you know, almost fully by then. So that was awesome. Um, 
If you have an unplanned C-section, you can request to have a follow-up with your surgeon to get their take about what happened or your anatomy um, and how to think about a future pregnancy. So I did that after my first, and that was really helpful because she kind of you know, walked me through like, okay, this is what happened and you have a prominent sacrum and here's what I would do in your shoes for future pregnancies. So that was really helpful and kind of demystified it a little bit. Um, that's a really good point. I just want to, I just want to jump in and say that I have not heard of a lot of people doing that or, uh, advising that. And I think that can take some of that. What happened? What did I do wrong? Why did my body fail? Cause that is a common feeling after for a lot of folks after. So that's a great suggestion. Thanks. And in the moment, you know, when you're getting the surgery, it's very overwhelming. (laughs) So it's not like, and you're meeting your baby. So it's not a great time to like debrief what went down. Right. There's a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And then some other just like very practical pro tips, um, stock up on ibuprofen and Tylenol before, um, if you're planning a C-section or not, just have those in the house and then take two alternating every three hours and really stay on top of the pain meds. Um, and I, I'm a fan of asking for oxy or opioids, um, when you're getting discharged, for breakthrough pain, you don't need a ton of them, but I definitely recommend taking like one, um, 30 minutes before you leave for the car ride to go home. And at any time you have to go in the car, you know, kind of in that first week or so, it was helpful for me to have oxy, um, on hand just because being in the car right after C-section is, is a little bit painful and stock up on stool softeners. Um, And then Freedom Mom has um, kind of high-waisted briefs that are disposable undies. So I like those with thick pads. Um, The hospital provided those kind of weird mesh boxer briefs, but for me, they landed like right on my C-section. So I was like, what the heck? (laughs) The Freedom Mom briefs were much more comfortable because they went up and over the C-section. And then definitely have some water for your um, next to your bed and some snacks. Um, I liked having granola or power bars for the middle of the night feeds and, um, newborns are really noisy. So having earplugs and a noise machine is super helpful. Um, belly bands can feel really good. I had one, I used one after my first birth, less so after my second for some reason. Um, but it did feel really good after my first birth to have one and just having like a pillow to hold against my C-section. Um, anytime I was like moving around or in the car was helpful and then have a lot of pillows for your bed or a chair right next to your bed that you can easily transfer to for night feedings. Um, if you can master side lying so quickly, if you're breastfeeding or chest feeding, um, that's helpful. And then massage your incision to break up scar tissue. So those are some of my pro tips. Those are great. Did you end up working with an IBCLC to learn like the football hold or, cause I know for some people having the baby on the belly with a fresh new incision can be very painful. Yeah. I didn't put him on my belly. I just lay on my side and put him like right next to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, yeah. Um, side lines. Oh, okay. Some but, people have a hard time with a newborn doing that on their side. So there was yeah. one that I learned, um, when I was a doula, it's called the football hold where it's, yeah. you're literally like right next to you. Not that I've actually ever held a football, but <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that's how you have a football. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I did not work with um, a lactation consultant aside from being in the hospital. Okay. Uh, and that is one, you know, positive of um, having a C-section is a longer hospital stay. So for the first round, at least when I didn't um, know what I was getting into with breastfeeding, um, it was helpful to have somebody really guide me through that and um, help a lot. So I'm curious, you said at, I'm kind of backing up in my brain here. You said at 37 weeks, your son was measuring it. And we know it can be off up to 15%, but nine, four, what did his birth, what was his birth weight? 10 pounds, four ounces. You make big babies. I make big babies. And for, yeah, listeners, um, I did not have gestational diabetes, not even close, but, um, you know, I'm 5'11". My husband is 6'2", 6'3". You're big people. We're big people. Um, none of us were that big though. So I don't know. I just make big babies and my surgeon had to really work to get him out. Um, cause he was so big. She said he was wedged between my sacrum and my pubic bone. Um, and she said, you know what? I think a hundred years ago, you probably would have died in oh my childbirth. Gosh. So I'm. I feel very, very lucky for modern medicine and C-sections. Um, and if we have a third, I, th- I think we might have a third in a couple of years. But if I do, um, I'll just plan a C-section at 39 weeks unless the baby feels a lot smaller to me. Then I'm not even going to you know, really think about a back. I think it's probably just not in the cards for me. <laughs> Well, I like, again, what you're saying about modern medicine. In our teacher training, we often have to remind the teacher trainees, because they read a lot of books about different birth options, never to demonize medicine because it has a place. Can it be abused and overused? I think so at times, but it's also amazing to have it for like someone like you, like you, and even if it wasn't a situation where baby was so big, it wouldn't fit through the pelvis. It's just nice to have the option to know that it is there should you choose. So I just really appreciate that you're sharing these surgical births at, with a really positive light. Cause you're right. A lot of times we hear that as like the runner up, like, wah, wah, sorry, but you know, like, sorry to yeah. C-section, but it doesn't have to be that way. No, not at all. I'm so grateful for them. And yeah, I, I hope that listeners feel, you know, if this is your first baby or not, if you're going to have a plan C section or you don't know what will happen, um, that they can be empowering. They can be wonderful and happy and joyful. And, um, you know, as long as you have a healthy baby, then, and, and you're healthy. I think that's what matters. And, um, yeah. I, I, and you're, one thing I'm hearing is also you are really respected during your experience. They I, I think that makes a difference too. Yeah, we'll take one more break. Now you've given a lot of pro tips for cesarean, but now you've had two kids. You've been around the block a few times. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? It can be about anything you want. We'll be right back. Okay. We are back. So what are you thinking? <laughs> there are so many tips, but, um, I think my number one tip is if you're lucky enough to go through this experience with a partner, um, try as best as you can to focus on getting through this as a team. Mm. It's so easy to feel resentful of your partner when you're tired and you're healing, you're overwhelmed, you're grumpy, the house is a mess. Like there's so much going on, you know, if there's chaos, um, and 
they may be doing things differently than how you would do them. And so it's really easy to be like, ah, why are you doing it that way? Or like, oh, I wish you would, you know, do the dishes or put away all the laundry. I can't do that right now. Or it's, you know, I'm sure it's hard for you, but it's harder for me. It's really easy to fall into those. Mm -hmm. And so my tip would be if you have a partner to really be actively appreciating what they do right and let them know what they're doing right. Um, It's really a choice to let go if you're feeling those frustrated feelings to it's it's a choice to let them go and to instead be like okay I'm feeling frustrated about this thing I'm going to let it go and instead let me find something that my partner is doing right and let them know that um because it's not easy you know I had definitely times when I was grumpy and snapped at my partner um and then you know I just had to let it go and apologize and return to gratitude for the help that I was getting so that's my pro tip I like that a lot. All right. Totally random, but I know you have an organic fruit farm. Is where, tell me a little bit about that. And is it something that people can find your, your stuff? Yeah. Um, we're on Instagram. So if you want to check out our little family, I totally will. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's, um, salt and stall farm and it's, um, S A L T O N S T A L L salt and stall as it sounds. Um, yeah, so we are doing organic fruit. We also, um, grow turkeys for Thanksgiving and, um, we're going to be making organic fruit popsicles with our seconds in the future. So I'm very excited about that. Ooh, are you going to send them around? Can people order them that are not up in New Hampshire? Yeah, we'll have to come to New Hampshire to get the full experience. Well, that actually is easy for me because my mom is not far from there. And I, I told you that I did, um, repertory theater in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So I have oh, a special cool. heart. That's so close to us. Yeah, yeah. We're right up the highway. Yeah. So I absolutely can. <laughs> you, you might see me now as you're think? saying that you're, oh, I would love that. I would love that. So you're saying that you are taller than people expect. You're 5'11. I'm yeah. shorter than most people expect. <laughs> I'm like too. Yeah. You've so, only had a Zoom relationship. So it'd be fun to meet in person. <laughs> yeah. You'll tower over me. Oh, Sophie, <laughs> this was so fun chatting with you. Thank you for sharing your birth stories. They were so empowering and one thing I just hope people are taking away is there are all sorts of ways to birth and how you choose or how your baby chooses to birth is how, how it has, how it unfolds for you. And I just really appreciate you bringing that to the forefront. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me, Deb. It was such a pleasure and your classes are amazing. I'm so grateful. Thanks. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.